Ladies and gentlemen, we're sad this week. This is the growing season on News Talk, talking 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarland. Pleased to be joined by Jack and Lynn, John Francis James and Lynn Marie, but to me they are mom and dad. Guys, are you also sad? Why am I sad? Mom, are you sad? Well, I'm fairly happy, but I know why you're talking about being sad. This week's episode for our audience is called Tearful Trees. Now, we're not actually sad. That was us that was us being over dramatic. So we're going to be chatting this week about weeping trees. Now, these are not trees that are sad. These are trees that have a pendulous nature to their branching system. Huh? Look at that, right? Right? This is the reverse. This is the upside down champagne glass type looking thing. Without the stem on the end. Without the stem on the end. So for people that are like, okay, still don't know what they're talking about. Think about this. Weeping willow. Okay, that would be the one that everybody would know. Even if you have... Even if you have no knowledge of gardening or horticulture at all, you would know what a weeping willow looks like, right? Yeah. I was going to say weeping mulberry, but then again, that's a, probably a little bit of a stretch too. Yes, Dad? No, they're I pretty think the weeping, I think the weeping willow is the, uh, call it the great ancestor of all the other weeping trees we have today. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be chatting. There are many more than the weeping willow. Tons. Okay. Yeah. Tons and tons and tons. And in a lot of cases, these trees and large shrubs can be used as an accent feature now, you heard us in, our, in last week's show chatting about uprights and accents, but this is sort of the extension of that. We're going to get into stuff that is tearful, a.k.a. weeping. She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt. Grab those boxes of Kleenex, or, oops, sorry, we're not sponsored by Kleenex, those facial <laughs> tissues, right? Yeah. This is the growing season on News Talk. It's talking 960 AM. On the other side, let's weep. And we're back. The growing season on News Talk. It's like a 9.60 a.m. Get them laptops and them tablets out. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on Show Bits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. You are definitely going to want to use it. In fact, I say that every week. So we should probably just throw up. I should almost do like a public service announcement right at the beginning of the show. This show is brought to you by GrowingSeasonCanada.com, clicking on show bits, because, I mean, we do it every single week. Anyway, regardless, we usually boring, yes, we usually have no less than between 50 and 70 plant materials that I have to upload to show bits, and the visual accompaniment to the show is great. We've had many of our listeners thank us for doing it, because we talk at such a rapid pace about the material that it's tough to keep up, and we would rather have you... Not be pulling your vehicle over and taking notes. Now, granted, you also shouldn't be having your phone out looking at show bits while you're listening to us on the radio and driving. Speaking of driving, that's what we call a professional throw. Watch this. Speaking of driving, Dad, uh, this couple Fridays ago, I was on my way to the lovely city of Oakville. I have many a job in Oakville this coming year, many many an install job. So as I'm driving, ahead of me is is a truck... From a large, well-known landscape company that is in the, in the process of pulling onto the 410. Okay? So, beautiful truck. It had the crane function on it, so you could literally lift large trees up into the back of the truck. Okay? Yep. So, many of our audience members would probably not know any of the ins and outs when it comes to the transporting of large horticultural organisms. Because many of our audience wouldn't be involved in professional horticulture. So... Let's bring you up to speed. When you transport a large horticultural organism or something like what we call a caliper tree, which is a tree that has a big root ball on the bottom of it, okay? When you transport this, you just can't take this thing and sling it into the back of a trailer and then run down the highway. Because you've heard Dad and I talk about this in previous shows. This tree can get something called windburn. So what you do is you actually they have a special tarp. It's called a wind tarp. And you drape it over top of the tree and it's mesh. It's like a green mesh and it's or perforated brown. or brown mesh. It's perforated. So what happens is it, it allows a tree to breathe, but it it basically sculpts the movement of the wind over top of the tree. It stops the whipping. It, yeah, it stops the whipping. So the tree has... Desiccation. Oh my goodness, man. All right. <laughs> so, the, so, the, so the tree has by far and away less chance of any sort of a wind burn. Okay. The so biggest, wait a minute, here's a big one though. Yeah. When people are actually placing them within their truck or in, let's say they have a pickup truck or whatever, Matt, always make sure that the ball portion is facing the front part of the truck. Why? Yes. Well, because this way you, you, it's, it's promoting aerodynamics. It's keeping the branches down. 
and the ball right. in place. Right. And we always would either put bricks or something against the ball themselves to keep them from moving around yep. while, on, while yep. on, in transportation. As well, too, we would even take a brick and prop it underneath the front part of the ball to, sure. to like keep the tree up so it's not banging against the tree. And no scraping of the actual bark itself. So here I am getting on the 410. Well-known landscape company. Very, very well-known landscape company. Do I know them? Yes, you do. And in the back of their big truck was a bunch of U's. They were little globe U's, little taxes, little taxi. Okay. Andersoni? Sorry? Anderson? Oh, good. A little, Latin over. Yeah, there it is. Okay. And beside it was a caliper, so full wire basket, downy serviceberry. Okay. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on show bits. Right there is a picture of a downy serviceberry. Now, this time of the year, downy serviceberries are in full bloom. Why? Because they are high steranthus. Yes. Okay. They flower before they leave. Now, we've talked about in the past as well, the downy serviceberry is the ultimate tree, ultimate shrub. It's got, it gets fruit, flowers, and wicked fall color. Okay? And not even bad uh, in the wintertime, right, Matt? Oh, they're great. They're wonderful. The bark's beautiful. Dad, they're about to board the, board the 410. And there's a downy serviceberry sitting up, full-size downy serviceberry sitting up in the back of this truck, not tarped, in full bloom. Do you know why it's setting up? I don't know. Why? What happens is as you drive forward, so the, the ball, sh- ball shifts. shifts and stands up. Yep. But the owner of the landscape prob- company probably picked this serviceberry because it's in full tilt boogie bloom. By the time that serviceberry would have gotten to a customer's job site, no blooms on it. What so on waste. top of wind burn, this thing's getting, and your user getting burnt too, wind yep. burn. The blooms are all off. Dad, I would have, if I was the owner of that company, I would have lost my mind. Tarp the tree. You know what, Matt? We would, we would always tarp, except maybe basically early, early spring before the, the buds swell. I, if this was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I would have had no issue with there it. There were sticks. There were sticks. This thing, Dad, was, and I'm not even talking, you know how when the flowers come out, they're sort of a little bit lean still? Dad, this thing was out, like Easter lily out. Out. What a shame. Yeah. I would have, oh my God. Do you, for our audience, nothing ticks me off more than stupidity when it comes to employees. It's a simple thing to just tarp it. It's literally, it's five minutes. You, 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 you push the service berry down, block it in place, bring your tarp over and bungee cord it. You're, you're gone. If it's more than one layer, Matt, just tie the, each layer to each other. So one tree to the next yeah. tree to the next tree. Yeah. But just tarp it. And the tarp, for our audience, the tarp is attached to this pulley system on top of the truck. You don't even have to go looking for the tarp. It's there. Just pull it down and bungee cord. You're done. Somebody obviously didn't see that truck leave the yard. Just tarp it. You know what? Here's, here's a general rule, guys. Tarp everything. Everything that goes on that truck, as far as shrubs or trees or whatever, I don't care what time of year it is, just tarp it. Get used to tarping it. Do one of the biggest mistakes ever made besides the tarp, Matt? What? Was when somebody would back the truck into the driveway to unload them and they would not take into consideration the garage or a wall or something so when they would back up and they would break the central leader and then all of a sudden you have a very big stick that is of no value whatsoever you break the central leader they're not going to want a tree with a broken central leader put it back on the truck because now we got to get a new one and you know what I had had this happen to myself and the guy did it to me Three times, Matthew. Fired? Fired. Fired. He did it to me for three times. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a there's your insider horticultural talk. Sorry to ramble on about it, but I just couldn't believe it. And know this, growingseasoncanada.com, click on show bits, but in, also click on contact. These are the things that we are taking into consideration when we are trying to transport shrubbery to your property. I know that as the homeowner, you're probably just sitting there watching the truck show up, but there's a whole host of things that happens get, getting that plant material to your site. Well, the big thing, Matt, is they, they have usually come with a guarantee, right? Yeah, one year. And so we want to make sure that when they arrive to your site, they're in good, good condition and they are not going to be a problem in the upcoming, especially in the future. Right? How many times have you seen Conan Nurseries, when they do a delivery for us, not have that truck tarped? I have never seen it. No, it's always tarped. Everything's tarped. Anyway, yeah. okay, so on. this week, tearful shrubs, tearful plants. plants. Yep. And we're talking about those that weep. Now, you heard me off the top of the show. Everybody knows the weeping willow. 
Now, the weeping willow fits for a number of reasons. First of all, it's very, very pendulous. Okay, pendulous. But, it, but if you have one close to your house, you're, you're also weeping because this thing is probably having non-consensual relations with your foundation. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what, Maddie? That you're picking on the the poor weeping willow. Okay, okay. so that's Salix uh, Babylonica, right? Yeah. So, Matt, the thing is with a willow, you've got to respect its size. Okay, so yeah. 50 feet basically at the crown. And so when they say you go to plant one of these things, make sure you plant it. This is from the outer edge of the crown. 50 feet is the closest you should go to your home. Why? Well, because the roots go like, like, like two-thirds more. Yeah, they're great <laughs> they at grow. pushing up sidewalks and getting into they're foundations just, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like tremors. Remember the movie Tremors? Yeah. That's what yeah, it is. Sure. It's yeah. the graboids yeah, underneath the, the soil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Matt, yeah. You, can't, you can't hate it too much, okay? Because this thing is responsible basically for all of our cultivars today as far as doing the weeping stuff. And the medicine. This is major in, major into like acetosalicylic acid. Isn't that aspirin? Yeah, it's a painkiller. Yes. It's a painkiller tree. It's a painkiller okay, tree. Okay, what about for this one? headaches and fevers. Yeah. What about this one, Matt? It's also the original stem root. Why is that so important? Oh, this is a root hormone. This is a grafting hormone. This is hormone. how they graft it using the, when they would actually break it down and use it as stem root to grow other uh, various plants and so forth. I love when my root stimulates. <laughs> Jack, <laughs> you told an interesting I'm, story about when you worked for another nursery and the willow, the willow whips that they would tie plants up with. So Matt, we would we would get a lot of trees delivered in the spring, and they would come. I know you bare have root. this bare root, yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot. A you lot. also could smoke on airplanes, and everybody had shag carpet, and nobody mm-hmm. shaved underneath their armpits. Uh, and mirror oh, tiles, and and mirror tiles. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> god! <laughs> but anyways, Matt, no matter what you say, bare root stuff when you're getting it in the spring comes with about two to three hundred percent more roots than you would get, say, something in a container or in a pot. Okay, just think of that one for a second. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Because you don't want to get me on the bare root. No, I don't. Because no, I'm, putting, I'm putting the bullets in my gun and starting to load up, right? But, but Maddie, we were doing a job. At, uh, just think of it like James Dick Construction, all the quarries and the pits they have. Okay. And so anyways, we you were, were doing asked, bare root at James, at that type of stuff? Yes, we were. How many lived? Uh, just wait for the okay. story to end, right. okay? But Matt, anyways, we, we were asked to go and put in Hippophy, uh, Rhamnoides, Seabuckthorn. Uh, Awful tree. Eliagnus and Gustafolia. Oh, There's Russian another olive? Russian olive. Why oh yeah, now they're like, like this. It's is like, around a quarry. I was going to okay. say, let's look at the worst stuff. Was there devil's walking stick in there? No, lots of Austrian pine. I bet. No, <laughs> no Austrian pine. <laughs> they didn't want people going near the quarry, so they put all those. Yeah, so they put the in. so they put the razor wire up. Yeah, no, no, they that. didn't want any of that. Man, they wanted things yeah. that would grow relatively quickly, see, so there was a lot of populace. Sea buckthorn is beautiful. Yeah, I like it. It has an orange berry, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're beautiful. Very healthy, they're very dude. beautiful, but it's also sharp as hell. Sure. But again, it's around the top yeah. of a quarry. Yeah, yeah. But Matt, the idea was that they came and they were actually tied up using willow whips. So you wouldn't have like a twine or a string. Okay. They would be tied up using willow whips because they're very flexible. And so anyways, we went and we ended up, uh, we as we untied them took and threw the willow whips away, we would go and we would periodically we'd go around and plant them according to the to the design that we were presented with, right? Oh my So anyways, goodness. come the following season. How many willows were on I site? would say you had initially all I would say about fifty percent of the the hippophyramnoides, the sea bark thorn, yeah. they made it, which is not good for me. We actually have very good numbers when it comes to the death rate. We don't lose a lot. But then again it was out in the conditions were absolutely the worst. But man, we did a lot of the populace and so forth. But anyway, it's a funny story. We didn't plant any willows. All we, we did was throw just away the, the whips. actual whips around right. and just toss them away because we figured they would break down. Come back the next spring, about 100 or 200 new willow trees are growing everywhere. And we didn't plant any. <laughs> They're that, oh, yeah. prolific. that prolific? Oh, my goodness, yeah. yes. So but, how many of the willows did, did you keep? We went through and we thinned them out. I was going to say. Like and, you can't have a hundred willows on the site. No, and then they didn't notice the sea buckthorn so much either. Yeah. Say the dead sea buckthorn. But it was something like that, Matt. It goes to show you that in the past, this was quite, uh, it was done quite regularly, where they would take the, the willow whips and so forth and then tie up the various bare root stocks. So my, so my wife, your daughter-in-law, Kelly, her mm-hmm. father used to, used to work for a large aggregate company. And they would go on the weekends and cut the grass at these various quarries and such. And one year, they were instructed to go out and plant seedlings. And it was stuff like 
white pine or whatever, right? Virtually 90% died. Yeah, because nobody, nobody's watering. Nobody's watering them. The conditions no, are the no. worst. The, condi- the conditions. Dusty. Kelly, Kelly, my wife, was saying, you're trying to put, put a tree in the ground and you're literally, it's 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 rock. It's yeah, rock. It's, it's yeah, rock, yeah. right? Yeah. So if the sea buckthorn's not making it, then it, and those suckers they're not are, making it. Those suckers are pretty tough. The Russian olives, they all made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, I love and it, whatever. The, yeah, and whatever. the willows could actually grow in that environment because yeah, they, they like moisture. I know. I guess there was enough moisture Who, for them. What? The willows. willows. Willow whips. They grew oh, in that yeah. environment. That's it was, wild. It was craziness, man. Unless it was a unless, unless it was a wet summer. It was done in the fall. Okay, Again, so unless it, it was been, a wet fall. Yeah, before, so you remember, normally we do bare root stuff in the spring or in the fall, late fall, because then, then they're just sticks, right? Well, you know, and you'd think, too, maybe if it was moisture, talk about planting, or talk about planting, talk, those, those willow whips would have had a nice blanket of snow. Yeah. That would have been a moist ground. Sure, but to, it was a good way to get them started. See, there's where you want a camera doing the, uh, doing the what do they call it? Oh, whatever yeah. that is. Time lapse. Time, time lapse. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, time lapse. I would have loved to see it because if you had it focused macro on the willow's roots, like you could see the roots forming and like, oh, look at this. This is ground. Absolutely yeah, are amazing, oh my, Matthew. Right? So <laughs> I know they have a lot of people see them and we also see them in, in a negative light, but that's not necessarily true. What is so important about the willow as far as weeping stuff, Lynn? Weeping stuff? Well, the willow evolved to, to weep because it has a shallow root system. So with the branches... So it's very vain. It's shallow. Yeah. Yes. With the branches drooping down, it sort of uh, doesn't make the wind knock it over? No, the wind would try to knock it over otherwise. So it had developed these branches, Matt, that would grow down and towards the ground. And that's how it survived in the wild. Now, here, wait, before you move off too quickly. <laughs> you were just about ready. I had that look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had the look. I'm like, no. and we're jumping. Okay, yeah. so in the wild, how long would a willow normally live? 100 years. Mom? 20 to 30 years, 50 to 85 years is a long time. Mind you, there is a willow called, of all things, a crack willow. It grows in the youth <laughs> and it can grow, it can live up to a thousand years. A thousand years? Now, is it a weeping variety? It grows in the UK. I think it's Fragellus, Matt, actually. Uh, so it would be uh, Salix Fragellus, I believe. I have to look that one up for you. Wow. Yeah, a, a thousand, thousand years. years. So, anyways. That's dad. That's like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, why then does the willow not live long? Like, just think of an atypically well, a tree might live yeah, a couple hundred years. It's a, they're garbage tree. But why don't they live long? Because they had a lot of surface root. No. Mom? They live in a wet environment. And because of that, they're really prone to rot. And Fungus. Okay. Fungus and that. In fact, like when you see a willow's trunk starting to get soft and it's, the stuff is it's coming up in it's, chunks, it's trunk. <laughs> <laughs> that willow is dying. Now, I know we have in our local park a beautiful big willow. We always thought it was really old, but Dad says it might be 50 years Those old. Those things can take punishment. That willow, like Mike, it's kind of nice because... I love my willows. Like my sister and I played in that park. Yes. And now my kids play in that park. Yeah, that's really and cool. And that willow, it has a chunk out of it. Like that willow was effectively a clump. Okay, a clump style uh, tree. For our audience that doesn't know, a clump style is, think of it like this. Think of it like, like your birch where you've got multiple stems. It isn't one big single stem. It's got multiple stems. Well, this willow had to be a clump. There is a chunk out of that willow tree. Mom, you've seen this, right? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it is like a huge section of this tree would have been ripped off and it's still going strong, no problem. Oh, yeah. And I, the reason I like willows, I love the branches drooping to the ground. When I was a kid, you know, you'd get one where the branches go right down to the ground. It was like it was like a little fort you could go yeah. into. Yeah. So, why do they think? They're messy as hell. So, yeah, then they, they are. so, Lenny, why do they think that the weeping willow should be called the weeping willow? Because when the rain flows down those drooping branches, the raindrops go onto the ground. It looks like it's weeping. Yeah, no, it's they are in the right location. Again, we we knock it. I also take great delight in knocking the Austrian pine. It has its applications. Yeah. Okay, and the, and the weeping willow is is no different. It has its applications. You There's have a, a big property, and you yeah. have an area that's kind of wet, quite a distance from your house. Do it. I think they're a gorgeous Absolutely. tree to have. Now, Buy a pond. Uh, Buy yeah. a pond. Okay. Also, too, within reason. Understand the size. I, as Dad said, 50 by 50. That is a big stinking cube. Okay. Here's, here's <laughs> something very important for you, Matt. Right? So if the weeping willow generally likes its feet wet, but it doesn't like to be drowned. Okay. So atypically, any tree 
let's say a caliper tree itself, Matt, would take approximately eight to ten gallons of water per inch caliper during times of drought. You got it? Okay. So a willow tree, this is in uh, basically it would only require. So just think about it. It was a two foot caliper tree. So you're looking at two times. What is that? Twenty four times say ten. That's two hundred and forty gallons. Do you know what it actually only really wants? What? Eighty to one hundred gallons a day. I guess it's getting enough water from being in the moist environment. No, it so just it's, doesn't collect it, man. It's not collecting it and using it, so therefore it doesn't need it. So it just sits there. Is it almost like xerophytic? No. In no. that it requires, I guess it's the environment that it's in. Yeah. Right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. It only takes what it wants to take. But if you plant this thing by a pond, which is where you typically see it, I guess it's got to be choosy on how much water it's taking because it's, it's, it's all right there. And then the next question is, wait a second. This is a freaking paradox. If it doesn't require nearly that much water, why is it so aggressive with the root system searching for water? I don't have, have uh, Matthew, I don't have a clue on it. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense unless it doesn't require a lot of water because it's where it's supposed to be planted is so water plentiful. But if it's planted in the incorrect area, you know, if I was, because there's a house right by the park. Yes. With that willow tree. I would yeah. be sure. deathly afraid. That's not 50 feet. No, that's no not 50 way. feet. No way. But you know what, Maddie? They, in Australia, they're banned. Okay, the actual willow is banned. Wow. Because it's along riverbanks and so forth, any wetlands, because they say it's invasive, so they want to use it. So it's not being used at all. We only use it in the rarest of rarest of times, Matt. I've, I have never put one on a drawing. I have, actually, in the past, but not much lately. They were originally but from... That's not, wait a minute. That's not true. That Where? is not true. Where did you put one on a drawing? Anything that weeps in the in the willow family. Give me a break here. What? Any of the salix. Think about it for a minute. No, I'm saying Blue I have Arctic not willow, willow dappled weep. blush. You didn't When's say When's the last you... time we put dappled on? Five years ago. No way. Maybe. 20 Maybe. years ago. Okay. Maybe you're right. But, Matt, but as far as a weeping willow, I have never specked one. No. I have never put one on a plant. Well, sometimes we were asked to spec them. Oh, completely. If you had a pond, I get it. Yeah. You have a sure. big property. Sure. And yeah. normally, if you, if you have a pond, it's a distance from your house. Sure. Yeah. But, Manny, right. the thing is that these these willows actually are the, the first ones out in the spring. Yep. And they're the last ones to disappear in the fall. And if you're a maintenance guy, boy, you do you hate, hate the them. willow. Yeah. Because you you think, oh, you know what? I got all my leaf cleanup done. Nope. The yeah. properties that have willows on there. There are maintenance guys out there trying to clean up the willow mess in December when there's yeah. snow on the ground. Because yeah. they do self-pruning. They, they're they're, they are the messiest. They, they are pig pen from peanuts. And they are originally <laughs> from northern China. Right. And they're made, they made their way to Europe along the Silk Road. So, yeah, and we've heard how prolific they are, right? You just yeah. grab a willow whip. All right, here yep. you go. Okay, so Matty, uh, do most trees weep? Yes or no? Yes. Why? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. it, just, it just felt right. Yes. No. Yes. So normally speaking, when a tree, you're growing a tree, their first instinct is to grow out and up. Okay? Yeah. And that's to get to the, as much light and so forth. So photosynthesis is going to take place. Okay? So they get food. Okay? They, so then how do they you have explain, a light lunch. Dad, how do you explain the photosynthesis on a weeping willow? Because that, that basically shades itself out. Yes. It hangs down. But there's enough surface area to do the job. Okay. That's the difference. I got you. Okay, so and actually, for a tree to be in the wild is very uncommon until the tree reaches old age. Why then? Because that's when the branches of the tree have become like, in certain trees, have become long and thin and so long that they droop down to the ground. Yes, okay, it's not so very talking about, So weeping is generally as a result of age. Age is one reason. Okay, the, generally the juniors will not generally weep right off the bat. So right. if you have a weeping tree that you're buying, and by the way. Most of the weeping stuff that you buy are because of us. Why? Right. It's been grafted. All grafted. Yeah. Yeah. So it's us. We're, we're causing this to happen. Okay. Right. We're, we're, it's we're a making scientific it... intervention. Sure. We're doing yeah. something that is not normally. It's alien do. to it. Sure. And that's why too, when you get a lot of these weeping trees and they're super in fashion right now, the lavender twist, the, um, you've got your, the, the red majestic Coralus. Okay. They have standards for that. Any of that stuff. You're going to get a whole lot of suckering going on because you've got this, it's this fake form, right? Because sure. it's been scientifically made to be that way. So, Manny, in the past, we lost 45 seconds. about most of our trees 
uh, in the Amer- almost Americana family. Oh. Uh, the elm trees. Yeah. They almost got mostly killed off. And I think there's like very, what, five or 7% of the actual uh, elm trees left around. We are, cannot. Are not uh, going to be munched on by our little friend, the elm bark. Beetle. Okay, so we can't get into this right now. I know where you're headed. And my heart is going to bleed with this. You're talking about the camper down? Yes. Okay. We're not getting to that right now. We have to leave that for the other side. This is a wonderful place to press pause. Okay, the growing season continues on the other side. She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Showbits as the visual accompaniment to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, strap in because you're going to hear about the greatest tree. This is the apex of a horticultural organism when it comes to large trees. And this is the growing season brought to you by News Talk, Saga 960 AM. ACK. This is the growing season on News Talks on 960 AM. Follow along with us. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on Showbits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. All right. Look, I razzed my dad about the friggin' Austrian pine. Let me tell you, he planted more of those things than any other human being known to man. Okay? In fact, he's got a tree farm with like 750 of the damn things. Still there. Still there. Now, they probably all have Tiplodia and they're dying and they're dropping needles. No, they're fine. I saw them lately. (laughs) No, they're fine. (laughs) I've seen them recently, yes. (laughs) Okay. So, he had the opportunity to plant the exact wrong tree on everybody's property. He was was like Motley Crue. He was doing your drugs, his drugs, and everybody else's drugs, except for it was Austrian Pike. But, he also had the opportunity to plant the, the most coveted gem. When it comes to any tree, forget weeping, forget evergreen, forget deciduous. This is the tree, the camper down elm growing season, Canada.com. Click on show bits right now. That's the tree right there. This looks like something out of middle earth. Do you know what, Matt? They have gorgeous twisted branches. They have gorgeous everything. You know what else, Matt? They only basically, they only grow about 20 feet high, about Six meters kind of thing. Yeah. And then, but they their crown is like 30 feet across. Dad, the thing weeps so much, it touches the ground. I know. And it's a great place to be kind of hanging out when you're kids, that kind of idea. Yes, Lynn? I didn't know this, but it makes red blossoms. It makes... I didn't know it. This is the greatest tree ever. Only one problem with the red blo- blossoms, and what is that? I honestly don't know. Matt, it has problems with leaf miner. Okay. Oh, and that's connected with the, to the blossoms? Yeah, and the problem is when the blossoms are on there, the leaf miner really gets up and running. They think it's the greatest treat. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So anyways, if you were going to control the leaf miner without using any sort of harsh chemicals, what do you think you could put on? Pyracantha? Nope. What? Pyracantha? Or what's the, uh, what's the chemical? What's the pyrethrum? Pyrethrum, no. Not okay. good enough. No. Okay, no. What you want to do is you want to interfere with the life cycle of the particular insect that's infesting it, which in this case is the leaf miner. See, what you want to do is you want to stop the if the uh, the larvae form from getting into an adult. Okay, so and once you, you can that? do by you using just tell something, them no, no larvae, no, not now. You're grounded. Get not back now. to your room. I don't <laughs> no. know. No, no. <laughs> so Matt, neem. They use neem. Okay, neem. It's natural. Yeah. And so they now, would use you know that. what? I've heard that. Wait a minute. I've heard about neem. You're not supposed to use neem on anything that, that you're going to eat. No, but you're oh, not yeah. eating. Yes. Yeah. No, I know. But yeah. we've had we've had people direct message me asking about neem. And I'm like, from what I was told, you're not supposed to put this on veggies, on edibles. Well, the other option is that once the uh, larvae gets to just before the adult form, you could physically kill them. But that could take you a while. You tell them no. No more. Get back to your room. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my camper downy. Okay, Dad, have you ever planted one of these? Sure. Did you have a l- large male excitement? No. Oh. It is a very pretty oh, tree. I, oh. Very unique. I'm like a atypical weeping tree mat. 68 years old. <laughs> and I was talking about back then. 
and you and certain parts are definitely okay. weeping towards the ground these days. Oh my days. god! Yes, yes, yes. You are pendulous. Okay, I'm very pendulous. Yeah, so you, so you've planted one of these things. Oh, hundreds of these things, Matthew. Oh, I would love to see one blooming. I didn't realize they made red blossoms. Mom, you've seen the shape of this. Oh you? yeah, I can picture it. It in looks my head. fake. Yeah. But you know what, Matt? They're even great under power lines. That kind of idea. They're great so under short. every. They're, and they're, oh. They they actually eliminate problems with urban pollution, even salt, Matthew. And the oh. thing is that they'll take both things, dry soil, wet soil. They don't give a care. And they'll actually, the pH, they, they kind of don't even care about that, Matthew. So oh. it's all in all, it's a shame. And the fact is that most of our almost Americana in the wild are gone. And I know that there's more than just Camperdown out there right now. The Nothing matters more than Camperdown. And we could actually plant one in the Bolton area. There's Zone 5A. You know, but you, you just, like, the elm beetles are just waiting. Yo. What are, the, patiently. What, what are those guys planting? <laughs> so Matt, I thought, though, it was resistant to the elm beetle. No, yeah, uh, they said semi-resistant. The semi, and they're, okay. they're also now in the process of making elm res- or making disease-resistant elms. My question is... Do you know how? It, well, I've heard, I've heard the University of Guelph is involved in this. Genetically modifying yeah, it. Yeah, it, look, if you can genetically modify a camper downy... A potato. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, yeah. I'm all for it. Sure. Bring it, bring it on. So, Matt, one of the biggest problems is when you're doing anything, especially it seems like a lot of the, the, the deciduous weeping stuff, okay? Any of yeah. the, even the the Prunus, uh, the, the Prunus pendula, the uh, rubra, the, what is that? Single pink weeping cherry or something, Matt. Now, the hold idea, on a second. If you're, if the tree loses its leaves, but it has to urinate, can, can you call that? Pesiduous? No, my God. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Matt, no? back to reality I I here. Okay. That could be reality. But the problem is with the deciduous stuff, especially in the cherry or the crab apple or anything like this, the major, main problem is us. Okay, the bloody trimmers and the lawnmowers. The more you damage them, the, the less yeah. life they're going to get. Any of those fruiters, any of those fruiters, you got to be so careful with girdling off the tree. Those things are so, especially your cherries. Oh, they're sure. brutal. They are so thinly barked. Yeah. Like, you could, some of these trees during transport, it doesn't matter what you do to them. They're fine. Sure. Not a cherry tree. No, and again, Matt, when you hear the word bloom, not berry fruit, whatever it is, you want to have full sun. It yep. likes well-drained soil, that kind Except- of idea. Slightly acidic, okay, in the six to seven range, Matt. And what I what I think is interesting about it is you if you what give does this it, have to do with the camper downy elm? Nothing. Why? Because Matt, we we already started no, about we on my show notes you agreed to twenty four minutes of camper downy elm talk. Not a chance in hell. Oh, no. <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on, Matt. Camper gotta... downy elm could live seventy years. Okay, there we go. See, there's more camper downy elm talk. No, <laughs> that's right. enough. All right, back to the stupid cherry. Does it does it does it look like a camper downy elm? It weeps a lot. All right. It's a very sad tree going All right. on. No, no. It gets pretty little blossoms. Right yeah, but you can come at the generally different shades of pink and so forth, depend, depending on the variety. But Matt, here you go again, 20, 30 feet tall. There's something for you. Yeah. And it weeps as well. So they, by the way, why do we use weeping trees? Because of the camper down the elm. No, <laughs> not a bit. Why do we use weeping trees? Just for the shape, I guess, right? Why? Again, it's just some sort of accent, something completely different within your garden. It directs your sight lines yes. at that point. To and all of that. Yeah. Especially if something is weeping. Yeah. And you know what, too? When you, like, when you think about it, it's the complete reverse of what a normal tree looks like. Sure. Right? Because you're talking about the 45-degree angle, arms raised, on your, on your normal trees, whether it be deciduous or evergreen. And yet these ones are the reverse, much like the camper down the elm. And they're very unique, <laughs> and I find them just to look at them. They're very peaceful. Yeah. Sure, peaceful looking. But trees. Matt, they do come with insect issues. I'll give you that. On on the Prunus pendula, the uh, the pink weeping cherry, they do come okay. with insect issues. But any, let's be serious. If you start bringing fruiters onto your site, these things come with the relatives that you don't want to invite to the party, aka the insects. Sure, anything fruiter. Anything of the Prunus family, and you're starting to get into some craziness. Prunus, especially, and Malice is another one. Malice is a bad one, we can too. Flip, we can flip to the... Actually, I like the Weeping, weeping Jade, but Mom's uh, actually kind of likes the Louisa more than anybody else. What do you think, Lynn? Louisa Crabapple? Weeping yeah. Crabapple? Yeah. yeah. I like Crabapples. They're very pretty, but yeah. I know they're messy. Yeah. They get a lot of water spouts. Lapets. Yeah. They get a lot of... What's um, a lapet, Matt? What? A lapet. Suckers. 
A lap pet? That's what it's a pet that sits on your lap. No. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's the right way to pronounce it. Okay. Our little friend, that is the the um, that moth is responsible oh, for the, the tent caterpillar. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Ooh. And they're man alive. They munch on your yeah. your mouth. I gotta tell you, man. Listen, I don't. I have not specked a crab apple in years. Now I love the purple spire crab apple. It's the columnar version. I think it's beautiful. But does purple spire weep? No. Okay. So then why, why are we, we talking about why? it? I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I get it. But the point is, crab apples. Crab apples are the are peonies. They're beautiful when they're out, but that doesn't last long. And no. then it's just this this like blob. They only grow six inches a year too. They're what? slow growing. Very slow growing. There's crab another apples? big thing. Yeah. There's another one, Matt. There's something super huge. Okay. If a tree grows very slowly, yeah. it lives longer. Right. If a tree grows very quickly, it lives shorter. Just right. remember that. So a soft bark or soft uh, flesh on a tree or yeah. whatever is going to have a shorter life. By life. the way, you have a crab apple on your property, n- on your neighbor's place. It's terrible. That needed a prune about 25 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Or removed. It's, it's really bad. It's all suckers. It's all It's awful, spouts. man. That thing yeah. is like, you ever seen those like... Those, those people where they haven't trimmed their beard in like seven years. Yeah. yeah. That's what the crowd. I actually feel like. bad for that tree. But Matt, you know, yeah. they come with everything else for. under the sun. They have funguses, fire blights, that kind of idea, which by the way, attack the blossoms and who would not want to have a crab apple tree. Yeah. Like if it it's, didn't otherwise have blossoms. it's just useless. It's, it's, just, it's, it's useless. just there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Matt, the thing is, when the fruit falls off these trees, they get on your, on your patios, your walkways and everything. And, and it stains them. A mess. So we keep, keep it in mind. Year. Did right. I tell you about the damage to a concrete patio that I saw with this? Okay, so again, I don't do concrete professionally. But as a concrete person, you'd, you'd think that you'd come in and look at the person's backyard and go, wait a second, that's a crab apple there. Great. We can't lay the concrete between this time and this time because of the stinking crab apples. Yeah. So they go and they, and you know this person, they go and they get the back patio done. And then the things rain and crab apples all over the patio. You know what, Matthew? Anything with the red fruit is even worse. So if you're going to be doing it near a patio and so forth, yeah. make sure that the crab apple that you're using has a, a more of a yellow fruit. And by the way, that is our little friend, Louisa. Okay, so you need yellow now, fruit. now we have a brand new one. Okay, there's a brand new crutch word that has now popped up. Our little friend has now made an appearance I think this is time number six is on it? the show. Yeah, yeah. We're going to okay. go back, right? So we're going to go back okay. and make sure. This is a brand new one. It's usually our little friend, the bee, which is great. And that's reserved for the bee. But now everything is our little friend. <laughs> <laughs> we have multiple small friends. Okay. So, Matthew, <laughs> yeah. moving away from the trees for a minute. Yeah. Back uh, to Camper Downey? No Camper Downey. Ah. No. All right. So if I was going to tell you that one of my favorite trees out there as far as a weeping deciduous tree, and it was Carragana arborescence walker, yep. what would I be talking about? You're talking about a walker peach shrub. Okay. And yep. what's so unique about it besides have, it's weeping? They have the cool little yellow flower on it or um, fruit or a berry thing. Right? And it has almost like a split leaf kind of thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. They're really cool. This is where, okay, this is where I don't like, this is where I don't like those shrubs, okay? And the reason why I don't like those shrubs is is I grew up in an area that was a that was predominantly European. Okay? Mm-hmm. And what does that have to do with the shrubs? Well, every house had one of two of these types of things on there. It was either a weeping mulberry, yep, or a weeping pea shrub. Sure. Yep. On top of statues that are in the shapes of lions. Yeah. Okay, so you just get to the point where you're like, look, I don't want to see that anymore. But we have a job uh, that I've just finished up designing in the Caledon area. He's got two caragana, two weeping caragana on the on, on the property. Okay, sure. And they're pretty and in the right location. And maybe it's just that it's time away. So I haven't seen these in a while. And you're like, oh, but you know what, Matt? Hello, old friend. Andy. Stinking zone you could think of. Two yeah, they're B pretty tough. Two B and up. Yeah. So they're really and again, so LPH they don't give a care. Full sun, they want. T- they can take a little bit of shade, but not too much. Yeah. But they're Matt. They're a rapid grower, and I like the split leaf variety, the walkers, because they have a unique leaf even when the blooms aren't there. Yeah. But Matt, what happens is when we take something out of the wild, what happens basically is that if a particular tree is living a long time in the wild, reason I want to talk about this one for a minute. 
is if you take something like, let's say, the Lavender Twist Redbud. So, Circus Canadensis Redbud. Has it bloomed yet? Not yet. It, it's I think coming, though. I'm yeah, afraid about this past weather. It might have gotten We didn't it. even talk about that, by the way. Well, we can. And, yeah. But I think that maybe a bit of that snow, I think, in cold weather might have killed the Heisternansis cauliflowers. Okay. Off. Here is a wonderful, wonderful little example for our listeners and our clientele. Because many of our clients, they, they can't get away from hearing about the Growing Season radio show. This, ladies and gentlemen, is precisely why we try not to put anything in the ground plant-wise until after the 1st of May. Because what happened like two weeks ago when the sucker dipped down, I literally, Dad, I was literally taking the masonry saw and placing it in the back of my pickup truck and I'm outside and it is full-on snowing out. On what was it? Like, what was it? April the 22nd or some ridiculous yeah. thing? Yeah. Earth That's day. ridiculous. Yeah. And, the, and again, these early bloomers, these heisternansis plants. Which so any of your magnolias, bloom, any sure. of your forsythias, yeah. any of those yes. ones are just going to be sure. like, what's and, happening? And, and then the cauliflowers are just anything on the trunk and upper branches. Yeah. Blooms. But, but, but your circus is looking okay or what? My circus is, is hanging in there. But man, here's, here's an in- interesting thing. So in the wild, circus canadensis, which is, by the way, from the Fabaceae family. Yeah. Beans. Has, has pods. Okay. Yeah. And so the idea is that... But yours doesn't get pods. No, it doesn't get pods because it's been probably genetically um, removed Modified. from the... There are no female... There are no male dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, right? But life yeah. finds a way, guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> life finds a way. But Matt, yeah. anyways, trying to get back to this point. 20 years is probably the most it will live, maybe up to 30, in the wild. But when you bring that lavender twist into your home environment... All of a sudden, it goes from 20 years to 40 to 50 years. Yeah, but here's the reason why, though. First of all, that lavender twist doesn't exist like that out in the wild. And for our audience that doesn't know, again, growingseasoncanada.com. But it all came from that, Matt. It did, but this is... Okay, so hold on a second. Now you're messing me all up. This is the Growing Season brought to you by News Talks, Talk 960 AM. Growingseasoncanada.com is the website. Click on Show Bits. You're going to see right here, it says lavender twist, right? This is a eastern red bud. Asursus canadensis, thanks for the Latin alert there, that is on a stick. And it's all the rage. Okay? Yeah. And people love this thing. I'm looking forward to seeing ours. Yeah. So, it likes the fact that we have chopped its butt off and put its head on a different butt? <laughs> no, I don't, think yeah. that's, I don't think that's it at all, Matthew. What I think what's happened is that we are actually taking better care of it then it doesn't have to compete in the wild like it does. At, it competes more in the wild than it does at our own places. Right? And is this where, like, there was a video circulating a couple weeks ago of this tiger. It was, it had to be a Siberian because it was the orange guy. Okay. This tiger that was brought into like a sanctuary, not a zoo. It could roam around. It had a large area yeah, to roam around. Yeah. But this tiger, man, this, like, it had been eaten, right? This thing now resembled like a bit of a cement mixer. Oh, my. Versus its regular form. Is this where you take the Circus canadensis, which is used to being like a native tree out in the wilds and you bring it in and you're giving it the proper fertilizer. It's in the proper amount of water. It's like, Oh, I'm just going to fatten up like the cement it's mixer. It's being type. coddled. It's being coddled. It's probably like, I love this. this. I love this. But you know what, Matty? I think you're probably 100% right in that yeah. case because in the wild, normally speaking, they, they prop each other up. They help each other out. Yeah. But when you bring them onto your own property, generally what happens is that even though you are giving them extra care and so forth, they don't like to be brought into, uh, onto, you know, strange properties well, away from their own And kind. you just said it, but it's worth repeating. You said that this, this procedure sh- normally shortens a lifespan. Yeah, so it's rare. Force the it's weeping. a rarity. When like, it, what's the, Dad, what is the, uh, what's the weeping birch? Uh, the, uh, which one do you want, the European? Okay, so European be- weeping birch is Betula Pendula purpurea, I no, believe. The, what's the other one? There's a, there's okay, a, Youngie? That's it. Yeah. The Young's weeping birch. I don't use that much. You know why? It dies a lot. It's a bloody bronze birch borer leaf butter. Yeah. I, you know what? I have cut more of those off of people's... Pro- I've never seen one healthy. Well, yeah. Sure you do, Matt. Where? Yeah. Where have I seen a young weeping birch healthy? Because you never plant the bloody things, Okay. But in the past, you didn't have a lot of selection. Okay, so now you do have a lot of selection. You have way more things. I would say back when I was first starting out, you might have had 
20 to 50 in that range of, of, of possibilities that you could use on a property. One of them, today, one of them was a camper down. The other one was an Austrian pine. And, uh, no, <laughs> do you know what the other one was? What? Morris Alba Pendula. Oh, yeah. That Sleeping was another. mulberry. Oh, yeah. And then it was, uh, oh, we gave you fruiting uh, and non-fruiting varieties. Uh, oh, aren't you lucky? And by the whatever. way, they require so much pruning. But, Maddie, the idea is that for the most part, it's not good. So if you brought that birch that lives in the wild, roughly, it would live in the neighborhood of 120 to 150 years. Okay? Yeah. Now you take that same birch and you bring it in to your onto your property, and all of a sudden, this lifespan goes probably by half. Okay? So, Maddie, a Young's would live in a neighborhood of about 30 to 40 years. That's all. On, on your, now that on again, your property. For, for a birch, but a birch, a, birch is like whatever, man. No, but in the hundreds wild, of years in the wild. Hundreds of years. Really? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Now, do you think, Dad and Mom, with the prevalence of the birch borer and the leaf miner? Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the show bit's great. But do you think that they get this or they can't defend against this because they're stressed? In other words... We bring the spruce into our environment and they're more prone to Piscia canker because we're planting them in the improper location. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if you're already stressed, Mm -hmm. you're more prone to this stuff. Sure. I agree. Any environmental stress. So it's us again. It could be us. It could be drought. It could be water conditions, soil and whatever else you could think of, Matt. All right. So four minutes. We should do uh, four minutes of camper down talk. Yes? (laughs) I don't know about camper down talk, but... uh, Okay, Matt, first of all, let's see how smart you are. Yeah. What is the Latin for? Weeping Nutca Cypress. Okay, so Shemi Cyparis, Nutca Tensis Pendula. Oh. Yeah. There was no phone out there looking at that. No, no phone. But the be- honestly, there's nothing more appealing than the word Nutca. I get it. Oh, my gosh, you've stepped on my Nutca. Again. Oh, my Nutca hurts. Again and again. <laughs> Whenever I hear yeah, the can word... Can you scratch my Nutca? <laughs> Whenever I hear the word Nutca, I... Think of British Columbia for some reason. It is. It sounds like something out of Star Trek. So, what's the biggest enemy for this Nutka? The Camper Down Elm. No. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, take two. Uh, snow and ice damage. Yeah. And so, the Camper Down Elm. No, uh, not at oh. all. But Maddie, for the most part, they live about seventy years, and they'll take their full sun fantastic. shade. You can think of things like There's that. There's nothing that looks like this. No, the branches are really. It's an anomaly, man. This thing looks sure. weird. You know, but Matt, think about this for one minute. 25 feet tall is not bad. No, no. And it's a shanty. It's a shanty. There's nothing. Okay. So for our audience, listen, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of evergreens that you would see from a distance that basically probably you would think look like each other, right? You got your Thuya or your, why are they, why are they calling Thuya Arbor Vitae now? It's the same thing. Okay. It's an apple. It's like, so it's like uh, tomato, tomato. Okay. Okay. So Thuya, which is a cedar, Juniperus or Juniper, which is a Juniper. Sure. And then you've got this chamois cyparis. Yeah. Now, ac- upon closer inspection, the leaf structure on this is completely different. But the chamois cyparis is just the most elegant-looking samurai of a beast. Like sure. it's just it, nothing looks like that upon closer inspection. The, the, the like the little nutka is or or like, like the nutkas. What's the one chamois cyparis uh, P- Pacifera filifera orianena? Like the little fried guy looking thread thing. Leaf. Oh, yes. so cute little sure. guys. But Maddie, yeah. the one thing about this is that it has a very shallow root system. Yeah. Okay, well, most so, of those big ones do. Well, really a shallow root system. So what they recommend, if you want this thing to not get any, you know, to help with burning issues over the winter, yeah. mulch it. Mulch they recommend the root system. Mulch above the root Would system. Would its root system be more shallow than, than a Picea? Yes. Really? Even more shallow. And so they're not that just think about it though, Matt. They don't have a lot of branches compared to a Piscia. So the wind is not going to be as big an effect, say, but it's going to be winter. But the this thing looks like for our audience that is unable to see show bits right now, it looks like the sleeves of Gandalf's coat. You shall not pass. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Down. Like the arms are raised, but it has these drooping Yeah. Nothing looks like it. You know, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. But you know what, man? I like the weeping hemlock as well. This, I love, I love this, hemlock too. That's a, what is that? Tosuga canadensis Tidensis. pendula. Pendula. Now, yeah. if you were a male, it would be mendula. Yeah. <laughs> my pendula hurts. Okay. <laughs> hey, can you come over here and scratch my pendula? No. no. Later. Okay. Later. Later, lady. <laughs> oh, clean it. Up. What did he say? Good. I don't even <laughs> want to know. Don't, don't even repeat it. Leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. But, Maddie. <laughs> Here's something that grows in the neighborhood of, say, 10 feet tall, 20 foot spread. So, in other words, twice as big as it grows high. Mom? The hemlock tree has a bad rap. When you hear hemlock, because even myself, you think it's poisonous. Poisonous. And it's not. 
So why do they? Where, where does this come from? Because stupid. This whole <laughs> thing <laughs> about poisoned hemlock goes back to Socrates, and you mean Socrates? Socrates, whatever. <laughs> and yeah. the tree that the the thing that they're calling uh, hemlock is this member of the carrot family. Uh, it's called Conium malculatum, and it's like a, a little plant, and it stinks. You really wouldn't want to eat it. But, but Matt, think about this for a minute. Like in the wild, Tsuga canadensis actually doesn't mind a bit of shade. It likes its feet wet and all this kind of thing. But when you bring it back into onto your property again, and, and you're putting it into a weeping form, which in other words, we forced it to do this. Yeah. The problem comes again. It has a shallow root system. And a shortened lifespan. And a, a, no, no, just wait. A shallow root system but that must be protected over the winter. And that is a great place to press pause. I don't know about you, but I'm crying. Mostly for the Camper Downy Elm, right? Yeah. No, I'm Can feeling... we just do a whole show, 53 minutes on Camper Downs? No, I'm out of I had to say a, a, I'm the a boss. show that <laughs> anything, as, as far as putting anything on the weeping variety. Remember, Matt? They throw everything into the weeping variety these days. Everything from junipers and so forth. They listen, the Russian Cypress, we, we talked about that last week on Uprights and Accents, and that thing is cool. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on Contact for all your horticultural needs, whether it be landscape design, consult, or install, although landscape design we have about an eight week waiting list uh actually we have sorry we have a waiting list and it's about eight weeks until we hit engage on that i've called it wave one and wave two we are just wrapping up wave one (laughs) not that i should be saying that with the whole situation on the planet right now but yeah that's not bad wave two begins shortly Uh, but again click on contact we'd love to hear from you for all your horticultural needs okay and uh yeah we're even booking landscape design into spring sorry into winter of 2022 guys we always end in a very similar fashion you know you're drunk when you go to swerve to avoid a pine tree in the middle of the road only to realize it was the air freshener hanging from your rearview mirror oh boy (laughs) you shouldn't be driving now we do not here at the growing season endorse driving under the influence of any kind Okay, and we are not making light of that situation, Mom. Till next time, have a good one, and please be safe. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.